This morning, we're going to talk about Christ and his church. We're going to talk about uh, his body, the church. We're going to be talking about husbands and wives and marriage. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute, what are you going to talk about? Christ and his church or marriage and husbands and wives? Yes, all of it. Uh, because it's all woven together in Scripture. From the very earliest times that we read about marriage in the book of Genesis to the very last time that we read about marriage in the uh, book of Revelation, we find that uh, Christ is our husband. Uh, he's our groom. We, the church, his body, are his bride. And the wonderful analogy that's given in Scripture is that uh, we, as husbands, are to be to our wives as Christ is to the church. We're going to talk about that some more today, but I'm not going to say any more uh, than that today, uh, anything more important than that. Get that. Husbands, we're to be to our wives as Christ is to the church, and wives are to be to their husbands as the church is to be to Christ. That's what this passage is all about in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. But before we dive into that, I want to recognize the fact and pastorally say a, a word to you of comfort uh, who are singles, divorcees, widows, and widowers. When you hear the subject of marriage being preached on, that can be a painful subject for some of you. Uh, some that are single that uh, have long since wished they'd been married by now, maybe disillusioned with God. He's taken his good, sweet time. Uh, Mr. Wright hasn't come along. I remind you that uh, some people thought they married Mr. Wright and found out his first name was Always. Um, some of you haven't uh, found the woman of your dreams, and I want to remind you that um, some streets have been named after her sometimes one way. Maybe God's sparing you something. I don't know. Uh, but God still may have in mind for you to be married. Uh, you bear uh, the scars of, di of divorce, you and your children that have been divorced before uh, in a previous marriage or previous marriages, and uh, the subject of marriage can be difficult for you to listen to. And then there are widows and widowers who have this ache and longing for their missing loved one uh, and your children as well. And this is not easy for you, uh, but uh, you're a part of the body of Christ. You're no less a part of the body of Christ uh, than we marrieds are. And that's not just throwing you a little bouquet. That's just the truth of the word of God. And you should listen to the whole counsel of God as well. And most of all, be lovingly reminded of this, and that is you children of divorces and uh, single parents that uh, maybe haven't known uh, your mother or your father, uh, your children of widows and, uh, and widowers and the like, uh, God is your father. And he has not left you out of father without a mother. He is, uh, nurtures you as a mother nurtures children. He uh, provides for you as a father is to provide for its children. And then for you uh, women in particular, uh, none of you are left without a husband. Uh, Jesus Christ is your husband. And, uh, and he's to be enough in your life if God doesn't uh, replace uh, your previous husband with someone else. And so with that, uh, I hope you feel... Uh, understood and included in all of this and want to be a part of all of this as well. Let's look at what God's word has to say. Paul was inspired by God to write to a church in Ephesus. We know this letter to be uh, the book of Ephesians. And in the fifth chapter there, he talks about marriage. And we're going to start at verse 21. And let me just say a word about 21 because it seems kind of isolated and it's uh, not complete. Uh, what, what it does is it completes all of the verses that go before it for a number of verses. 
uh, in which Paul is talking about what it means for us to live in the fullness of the Spirit. And then this verse not only concludes that section, but it now provides a transition verse to get us into marriage as well. So this verse 21 uh, reads, and this is God's word, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have to say here today to all of us, specifically to wives and specifically to husbands. We thank you, Father, that we would keep in mind the context of all of what we're going to be talking about as husbands and wives, and that is the church and Jesus Christ and their relationship to one another. And we thank you by your grace that you have made us a member of the body of Christ, the church. And we thank you, Father, for her splendor because of her Savior. And we thank you, Father, that we would see splendor in the marriages in this church. There may be some that are hanging by a thread. And I pray, Father, that that thread would strengthen and be intertwined with more thread of more love of a husband for a wife and a wife for a husband. Thank you that you would be with those also for whom the subject of marriage may strike a little moment of pain. Thank you that you would minister to them as you would minister to us all. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at the idea of submitting, uh, this verse 21 is a verse to us all, not just specifically to husbands or specifically to wives, but it's a verse for us all. The idea of submission is not uncommon to us. Uh, This particular word comes from a military term, which means to surrender your independence. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, and I think I do know about you because I'm in the people business. Uh, I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And there's something about us that wants to be very independent. And the idea of being dependent on somebody else is a difficult process for us as sinners. Now, first of all, our uh, dependence starts with dependence on Jesus Christ. We move from a life of of independence to a life of dependence on Jesus. We've just celebrated the independence of our country, and we ought to be celebrating today our dependence on our Lord Jesus Christ. 
It should be the greatest uh, submission that we ever render to anybody uh, because he's the greatest that there is and he loves us with an everlasting love. One of the things that uh, we need to be reminded of with regard to the love of Jesus Christ is he didn't come here to love you and me because we were lovely. He came here to love you and me to make us lovely. And let's keep that in mind as we think about what we as husbands should be to our wives, helping make them lovely as Christ made them to be, and wives helping your husbands to be lovely as Christ made them to be as well. Again, submission is not uh, an uncommon kind of concept for us, however difficult and however we may bristle against it at times. But after Jesus and being dependent upon him and, and submitting or surrendering our independence to him, uh, I also am in submission uh, to the elders of the church in this presbytery and to the elders in this church. I am in submission to Jeff. I love Jeff, and I don't find being in submission to Jeff, the great loving teddy bear that he is, a, a difficult thing to do. Uh, I love Jeff a lot, and uh, when he says uh, do something, uh, he says jump, I ask how high on the way up. Uh, I, I love working for him. He's a, a wonderful uh, person with whom to work and to serve the Lord. And then, uh, of course, uh, Romans 13, uh, 1 Peter 2 tells us we're to be in submission to, our, to the authorities. And I know we sometimes uh, bristle against that as well, but that's another principle of submission that's given us in, in Scripture because God has established uh, not only marriage but uh, the governing authorities over us. And then and there are other ways as well. If you've ever played on a sports team, uh, if that team is to function well, all the players are to be uh, in submission to and surrender their independence to the coach and to let the coach do the coaching and do the leading. Uh, and at Orangewood Christian School, uh, the students are to surrender their independence and they're to uh, look to the teachers uh, and, and submission to them uh, as they are to their own parents in their home. And then uh, also we read in Scripture about employers and employees. And uh, as we find ourselves as an employee, we are to be in submission to our employers. So it's a common principle, and it's one that we constantly have to work toward and ask God's grace uh, to be in submission uh, because it doesn't necessarily come easy for us. Now, with regard to uh, inferiority and superiority, let's clear one thing up. I don't feel the least bit inferior to the elders to whom I'm in submission. I don't feel the least bit inferior uh, to Jeff. I don't feel the least bit inferior to my government uh, when I'm in submission to them. It's not a question of inferiority or superiority. And when we talk in a moment about wives being uh, submissive uh, to their husbands, they are not inferior. They're not doormats. Uh, they're not second place. Uh, it has nothing to do with uh, inferiority or superiority at all. Uh, look at Jesus Christ. Uh, here, Jesus, uh, who is equal with the Father in the doctrine of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus are all equal to one another, and yet they're in some marvelous way one. Jesus surrendered his will to the will of his Father when he died for your sins and he died for mine. He said, I know there's no plan B. Uh, I would like this cup to pass from me, uh, but I came here to execute plan A. And plan A is your will, Father, and it's your will I've come here to surrender to, not my will, and your will be done. Then furthermore, just to point out this inferiority uh, uh, issue uh, where there is none, uh, Jesus was certainly far superior to his disciples, and yet he stooped down and he washed their feet. 
And so throughout the church, where the context of this verse is given us to submit to one another, uh, we are to be Christ-like in our humility and in our kindness to one another, surrendering our independence and serving one another as servant leaders and enjoying the giving up of our independence and to being dependent on one another. Uh, the scripture tells us uh, in many places, 1 Corinthians 12 in particular, Ephesians 4, or Romans 12, uh, I need you. You need me. And the fact that I say you need me is not a, a cocky statement on my part. It's a biblical statement. I have gifts for you. You have gifts for me. And these gifts are to work together for the honor and the glory of the Lord and the building up of the body of Christ. And when we come to marriage, as we spoke last week, uh, it's my desire uh, the desire of my heart, it's not always my practice because I'm a sinful, selfish, self-centered person, is to look for Linda's needs, look for her interests, and subordinate my interests and my needs to her own and to make her number one in my life and to have her believe that she is indeed a number one. She doesn't always believe that because I don't always live perfectly that way, but that ought to be our desires as husbands and wives uh, to surrender and submit our own independence and our wills uh, to the other and look to the other's interests and needs uh, above our own. And we ought to do this, uh, we're told in this passage, out of reverence for Christ. Now, when we hear this word reverence, a lot of the times uh, the word fear comes into the definition of what reverence is all about. And, and there's an element of fear, yes, but it's to be a wholesome and a healthy fear. The idea is that we should be so overwhelmed with the greatness of Jesus that we would want to do what he's asked us to do and be in submission to one another, in marriage in particular, but in the church in general. Uh, we should be uh, just so overwhelmed uh, with the, the greatness of the Lord uh, and what he's done for us that out of reverence to him for who he is and what he's done, uh, that ought to be the de desire of our heart, and that ought to be what motivates us uh, to do uh, what we should do. Remember, uh, Jesus didn't come here to love us because we were lovey, lovely. He came to make us lovely, and we should desire to make one another lovely as well. That's our job in the body of Christ. Now, with regard to uh, instructions to wives, and we see uh, that wives are to be in subjection uh, to their husbands as they are unto the Lord. That's the first one. And also in everything. There ought to be a little asterisk next to everything, I think, because uh, first of all, Paul certainly would never mean, nor does the scripture ever teach, that uh, a husband or, or a wife should tell the other, ask the other to do something that's unlawful or unbiblical. I'll even go a little bit further to say, uh, although these things may not be unlawful or unbiblical per se, there may be some things that I know about my wife, Linda, that would violate her conscience in such a way uh, that it would be improper for me to ask her to do whatever that might be. And so in everything needs to take into account, certainly not unbiblical things, not unlawful things, not things that would violate the conscience uh, of the one that we so wonderfully love. Uh, again, women in their uh, submission to their husbands are not uh, to be uh, considered in the least bit inferior. Um, when it, it says there uh, for the woman uh, to to have a Christ-like attitude, it's sometimes hard given the attitudes of some men. 
Uh, what I want to read now is something that talks about a little bit of the macho uh, attitudes that some of us men have uh, toward our wives. This is a, could read like a, um, a top 10 list of David Letterman. Number 10, uh, this is a, a man speaking to his wife uh, and portrays a man's attitude. And, and I'll say, I find some of these funny. Um, but beyond some of them being funny, there's a truth that some of these say that are not Christ-like attitudes. And we need to see these very clearly uh, as not Christ-like in the ways that they're not. The relationship is never going to be like it was the first two months uh, when we're going out. Get over it. Uh, I had a woman stop me after the first service and said, it's not like it was the first two months or whatever period of time she was referring to. Uh, We enjoyed getting to the dance together, the romance, um, and it fizzled. And when we said, I do, a lot of the things that he was doing to nurture me, to cherish me, to honor me, uh, he stopped doing. Uh, we got to keep doing these things. Let's be intelligent about these things. And wives need to encourage these things and men as well. Number nine, a headache that lasts for 17 months is a problem. See a doctor. <laughs> Number eight, whenever possible, please say whatever you have to say during commercials. Uh, that is something that we men have to get rid of this appendage called the remote and, and you know, turn the television off, not just mute it and, and engage in some meaningful conversations. Uh, number seven, you can either ask us to do something or tell us to do what you want, not both. If you already know how to do it, just do it yourself. Uh, that's not surrendering your independence uh, to the one that's supposed to be the most important person in this world to you other than Jesus. Anything I said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, uh, comments become null and void after seven days. Uh, Once you've said it, it's out there, pal. I don't care how long ago it was. um, It's going to come back to you. Um, Come to me with a problem only if you want help solving it. That's what we do. Sympathy is what your girlfriends are for. Um, Sympathy is what husbands are for. Uh, We need to not pass things off on the girlfriend. Sure, we're fixers, we're solvers, but sometimes our women just want us to hold them and not try to fix it. I'm still learning that after 49 years of marriage. I didn't learn that yet. Number four, uh, if I ask you what's wrong and you say nothing, I will act like nothing is wrong. We know you're lying, but it's not really worth the hassle. Look, if she says nothing's wrong and you know something's wrong, do the duty. Stop everything you're doing. Find out what's wrong. Help to listen. Maybe not fix it. I I just want to fix things so badly. I want to solve things, but sometimes that's not what's being asked of me. Yes and no are perfectly acceptable answers to almost every question. Uh, For some reason, Linda just doesn't go with yes and no. She wants to talk. Matter of fact, she has a gift, uh, and, and I think she must love some portions of Scripture where they repeat things. She loves to rehash. I mean, we talk about something, we make a decision, and I move on. I'm not patting myself in the back. She's still back there thinking, is that the right decision? And I think we've moved on, and I find out we haven't. Yes and no are not the only right answers to questions. We need to find out uh, better how to answer questions. As for what you want, 
Let me be clear on this one. Subtle hints don't work, strong hints don't work, obvious hints don't work, just say it. Um, we just got to listen for the hints. We got to learn to be good listeners and to uh, listen for what the hint is all about. If something we said can be interpreted two ways and one of the ways makes you sad or angry, we meant the other one. <laughs> so guys, we've got a lot to learn in understanding these wonderfully, differently created creatures than we are. We both bear the image of God together for sure. We're both joint heirs of salvation, but we are rather unique as males and as females in many uh, different ways. We have a lot of the same uh, similarities, but uh, we have some major differences as well. And so uh, we're to uh, love our wives as Christ uh, loved us. Uh, that mean the husband's always right, uh, that he's the head of the church. Uh, he's the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. But it means he's always responsible. And we need to keep that in mind, uh, both as husbands and wives. Linda and I made a decision when we were first married that uh, I would make all the major decisions and she would make all the minor decisions. And after 49 years, we just haven't had any major decisions yet. Uh, But I once again uh, check with Linda and she verifies the fact that I've never, as the head of of the household, pulled rank on her or, or... uh, overturned a vote of hers. Uh, when we have major decisions, it's time for major prayer. It's time for major talk. Uh, usually these major things uh, allow for time to, uh, to let hearts settle and to have some more discussions on them. Sometimes they don't. Uh, but uh, we try to make our decisions as mutually uh, as we possibly can. Uh, Linda sometimes will quote to me, well, it's your decision. You're the head of the family, you make it. And she finds a lot of uh, joy in that. The other times when she doesn't, um, and she wants to make the decision on her own, but we have to make it together. Uh, this whole business of uh, what if a husband won't lead? I'm sometimes asked that question. And uh, what uh, Tim Keller says in his recent book on the meaning of marriage is that husbands, uh, if they're not natural leaders, and if, particularly if the wife is a natural leader, he will uh, just subordinate himself to the leadership of the wife. And the wife, because of her frustration that her husband won't lead, will just take over the leadership role. And the scripture says that's not the way marriage works best, God's way. And so what do you do? You help your husband learn to be a better leader than what he is. Uh, Keller says a a, a husband is confronted with leading and he's not very uh, good at it, uh, that he'll just walk away. And he'll just uh, turn it over to to his wife to do. And the wife, in her frustration, will take over that role. Uh, but vice, uh, be the helpmeets that God created you to be and help your husband become a better leader. Uh, it might start with a decision as, as little as uh, what movie are we going to? Um, husband, you make the decision and build him up and encourage him as he makes decisions in his life because it's basically a part of how God made him. Uh, he wants to be the leader of the family and to lead and to lead well uh, rather than be frustrated at the entire process. Um, When we look at the word respect in verse 33b, uh, wives, you're to respect your husbands. This word means to look away from all others and only unto your husband. Uh, It has the uh, sense to it of of not looking at anything else and and him as the sole object of your affections uh, outside of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is something that uh, husbands love to see happen. Uh, One of the things that Willard Harley says in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, is that men, and I I will attest to this at least for myself, speaking for myself, 
I want to be admired by my wife more than any other single thing. That's my greatest need from her. Uh, admire me. Tell me I'm strong. Tell me I'm fast. Tell me I'm wonderful. Tell me I do good sermons. Tell me I do this, do that. And, and I start to live up to what she's telling me uh, that I am. Uh, be genuine about it. Don't you know, make it up and manipulate, uh, but be genuine about it and just love to hear uh, being built up uh, under respect because we have egos. Rodney Dangerfield said, I don't get no respect. Remember that? Uh, and I have a friend uh, that's very dear to me. Uh, none of you would know my friend. Uh, he's in a marriage that is uh, sinking very fast. One of the things he says, and I see both sides of it, it's not just all her uh, fault. Uh, but the one thing that he continually says that he longs for and that he desires in his marriage that he's not getting is that she never builds him up. She never tells him he's doing great or, or he looks good or he did a good sermon or anything like that. Uh, and, and that's just a void in his life that he feels uh, terribly empty because of. And if she just did this one thing, I think it would be a huge step back in the right direction of, of perhaps uh, bringing this marriage back to where it needs to be. Uh, I just want to brag on my wife a little bit, uh, who brags on me. She sends me cards. Uh, I got a card once, I remember, that said, I thought of you today, and on the inside, I liked it. Uh, yeah, I still have that card. I bet she gave that to me 15 years ago. I have little notes, uh, emails that she's given me, little things that she's made me all of which uh, build me up and make me feel like, boy, I am really important to at least one person in this world. And she thinks I'm the most important thing uh, that there is going. Um, one thing that women do is to boast about your husbands, back him up. Boy, if I feel Linda's got my back, I feel like I can conquer about anything. If Linda's not backing me up, if she's not back there, then I feel like I'm out there pretty much alone. I know I've got the Lord, and I know I should depend on him, not just Linda backing me up, but it's nice when I've got the Lord and Linda backing me up, and I feel like I'm ready to go ahead. And then uh, baby him, women. Uh, there's a little boy in all the men that you're married, and you know that. Um, and, and the little boy wants to go out and play, uh, wants to get away from the routine of life, wants to get away from uh, the mundane uh, and, and so many times it needs to come from you to have him break away from his career, his work, his profession, whatever. Uh, even break away from the kids from time to time. Uh, it's good and healthy for you. And, and kids, when they see that you're in love with each other, uh, they feel a lot more secure as well. Uh, there's a, a section in the Song of Psalms in chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, where uh, he talks to his wife and says, you're beautiful, you're captivating, uh, come away with me. Let's, let's go away and let's play. Uh, one of the things that Harley talks about in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, uh, is a recreational companionship. And I had to really think about that when I first read that. But the more I've read that, the more I realized, you know, when I go off to kayak or bike ride or jog or walk or whatever that brings me pleasure. I, I want Linda along with me doing those things. Now, she doesn't like to do all those things, and that's okay. That doesn't make her a bad person. But we need to find things that we do together. Uh, and, and men do like a recreational companion, and, and who better than his wife to be that person than some other person uh, substituting for them in that given activity. Spend some wonderful time together. Um, now let me uh, read something uh, to you about tips for, women, for women. I read uh, this as we start to talk about uh, husbands. Here's five tips for women. It's important that a man helps you around the house and has a job. Amen? 
It's important that a man makes you laugh. Amen? It's important to find a man that you can count on and who doesn't lie to you. That's one of Harley's things, honesty. Women want honesty. Uh, It's important that a man loves you and spoils you. Amen? And number five, it's important that these four men don't know each other. (laughs) It's, uh, It's terribly important that these four men know each other and that it's one and the same guy, that he is doing all of those things in your life. But the problem is, and, and when we read men's rules, it brings out the point too. I know you women don't need a lot of uh, coaching on this, but a lot of times we just don't get it. We don't understand you. Um, you're so different in your own wonderful ways that God's made you than what we are. And we think through our own uh, lenses and, and we don't think through God's lens for you. Uh, there's a story about this guy riding his Harley Davidson. He's out on the West Coast Highway. He was having a marvelous time. And uh, God just appeared to him and said, you know, I, I want to bless you. I want to reward you. You, you have been uh, a faithful servant. And, uh, you know, I've already rewarded you with salvation and whatnot. And I know you didn't ask for anything. But as part of the reason, I want to give you something special. What, what would you really like? What would be meaningful to you? And he thought a minute and he said, how about building me a bridge to Hawaii that I can ride my bike on? And God was very discouraged with his response. Uh, he said, you know, it, it's not that I can't do that. I mean, there'd be a whole lot of labor involved and all the pilings we'd have to drive into the Pacific Ocean and all the concrete and steel that would be involved. Uh, and, and, but what bothers me more than anything else is a very materialistic request you've made. Uh, it, it's, it's all for you. And all for your own pleasure. And that's not like you. I haven't come to know you that way. And that's not, you know, what our relationship should be about. And he said, I'll give you another chance. And the guy thought for a minute. He says, all right. He says, help me and my male friends, other husbands, help me to understand women. He said, you know, I just, I don't, they cry at the drop of a hat. They cry cry at a commercial. Uh, when we go to fix something, they don't want it fixed. I mean, they will take hot wax and pour it on parts of their body and rip the hair out from the roots and be scared of a spider. I mean, I don't, and he went on and on, and the Lord said, would that be a two-lane highway or a four-lane? But see, that's not true. God understands women. He made women. And, and he needs to help us as men have the grace to understand women so that we can minister to him as he ministers to the church. There are a number of uh, words that come into play in this last section. Uh, one submission we've talked about already, but another is sacrifice. It's not mentioned there, but Jesus Christ loved the church so much he gave himself up for her. And we should give ourselves up for our wives. We talked about that a lot last week. Uh, Some of the other words, sanctify, that's a word that's used here. We need to learn how to sanctify our wives as Christ sanctifies the church. We need to see the splendor brought out in our wives that God intends for them to demonstrate. And we're a part of bringing that splendor out. And last but not least, the word's not there, but it's written in so many other ways. And this would be Linda's number one priority that Harley indicates in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, security. 
help our wives feel secure. My wife would rather feel secure than any other one single need that I could uh, bring her as a benefit out of our relationship together. Uh, it says to love your wives four times in this passage. And love is demonstrated in terms of actions. We've all come to know uh, Chuck's preached it forever, just preached it forever. Love is just not a sentiment. It's not a thought only, but it's actions. Love in action. Uh, sometimes Linda will say to me, uh, she'll say, John, do you love me because of Jesus or do you love me because of me? And usually when she asks that, that question, she's been a real stinker. And she knows that I'm only loving her because of Jesus. And I'll just tell the truth. I'm loving you right now because of Jesus. And there's no other reason to love you other than Jesus. Uh, but it's her little way of confessing she's sorry and that type of thing. Uh, but it's, it's good that she brings it out. And that's the little game that we play with each other. And then I'll tell her I love you because of Jesus and because of you too. And then things are back on track where they're supposed to be. Um, Jesus denied himself. He looked at your interest and my interest and your needs and my needs and not his own. And he denied himself and he sacrificed himself and he gave himself up for the church of which he is the head. That's sacrifice. Um, Harley talks about another thing that wives need and that's communications. It's not something we do the same way wives do communication. Men don't communicate the same way women do always. We tend to uh, communicate to convey information. We tend to be logical. Uh, women, uh, they convey uh, building relationships. That's their main thing when they're talking about uh, communication. Men, um, when they uh, express their feelings, they do it non-verbally. Women do it very verbally. Uh, men uh, convey information. Uh, they try to solve problems. Women express feelings, emotions, and building relationships. So we're already on two different planets, Mars and Venus. Uh, we need to get on each other's planet and understand each other uh, better in this whole thing of communication. Uh, this one guy said, I haven't spoken to my wife uh, in eight months. I hate to interrupt her. Uh, <laughs> wives maybe need to slow down a little bit. Uh, some women, women talk 50 miles an hour with gust up to 75. Uh, but we need to, to listen and we need to wait for those opportunities for us to speak into their lives in ways that are meaningful. Uh, love notes. Uh, as, as Linda says, me loves notes. I try to send her love notes. Don't do this all the time like I should. I take some passages out of Song of Solomon and boy, they're deposits in the love bank when I tell her things that are being said in that book of scripture or just my own words. Uh, emails. Uh, I don't text that much. Probably should text more than I do. But texting is another way. Uh, flowers. Uh, just if I'm at Publix and I know Linda wants some gladiolus. Uh, do you know what your wife's favorite flower is? One man answered Pillsbury. <laughs> Not a good answer. Uh, you ought to know what her favorite flower is. Uh, and, and make sure she... That didn't go over in the first service. I, this is good. You're a little more awake than the first service was. Um, but it's important, you know, what her, and, and my guess is she'll take any flower. If you just pick something, a little yellow weed on the way in the house, she'll love it because you thought of her and you're giving her something. Um, hold the door, hold the chair, hold her hand, say you're wrong, say you forgive me. Um, go out on dates together. That's one of the things we tried to always do uh, with a busy pastoral schedule. I think if we hadn't had a day off together and, and done a date 
uh, and I dated my children as well on weekends, a half a day on Saturday, one week and half a day the next. Uh, those things held us together when all the pressures were there to tear us apart. Uh, but just spending time going to restaurants that we used to go to, uh, just walking together. We, we sit out on Lake Monroe on a swing. Doesn't cost a thing to do that. Uh, it's just our place. And we enjoy just sitting out there. There's no TVs. Uh, we turn off the phones. And we may sit there for a half hour, an hour or so, and just enjoy looking at the boats and listen to the clanking of the little things on the mass and talking to each other. Uh, all kind of ways to do this communication thing and to sacrifice for your wife. Uh, sanctify. Paul says here, basically, it seems to me, he's saying the number one purpose that I've got is to make my wife holy. Now, that's Jesus' job first and foremost. But how does he do that for you and me? He washes us through the word. And so we should constantly be in the word looking for ways that we would have revealed to us by the Holy Spirit who inspired these words to minister to our wives, pray for our wives. Um, in uh, 1 Peter 3, it says we should be understanding our wives and live in consideration with them or our prayer lives might be hindered if we don't. And so we need to um, look to bring out that splendor that God created in her. Uh, she's made in the image of God just like we are. And to bring that image out and let it glow as Jesus uh, lets the church glow. Now, some of you are going to say, well, look, my wife's not exactly uh, Martha Stewart, Mother Teresa, or Jennifer Lopez. And I'll come back and say, well, you're not exactly Michael Phelps, Billy Graham, or Brad Pitt either. Uh, your wife is your wife, and you are who you are. And, and love one another for who one another really is and how they're made by God uniquely. I remember one time, sad to say, sad to confess, that I was in a situation where um, I was frustrated with Linda. She wasn't uh, being like I wanted her to be in some ways, uh, many ways she was. And uh, I just wasn't able to change her. And God just whispered through his Holy Spirit to me, finally got through to me, and I, I, I started to listen instead of telling him what to do with Linda. And he said, you know, I made Linda really nice just the way she is. You ought to love her the way I made her. And, you know, that got through to me. Uh, and, and I started loving her the way God made her. And, you know, those issues didn't seem to be the issues they used to be. And it was just nice that uh, there was that uh, breakthrough uh, in my life that I was able uh, to see. Um, then this whole business, and, and another thing with regard to uh, sanctify, don't compare your wives. And I've seen guys do this, and I want to just go up and slap them. Uh, Compare their wives to another wife in public. Uh, compare their wife to an ex-girlfriend, an ex-wife. Uh, compare their wife uh, to what somebody else is wearing. That's a no-no. You don't do that. You build up your wife. You don't tear your wife down or compare her to other people. Uh, she is who she is. And if she's going to change, the Lord will change her in ways uh, that she needs to change. This whole security business, um, you know, he talks about loving our wives as we love ourselves. That's one thing we've got down, men. We love ourselves pretty well. I mean, I, got, I gave myself sleep last night. I gave myself a shower this morning. I brushed my teeth. I flossed last night. Uh, I put on deodorant. I put on a clean pair of pants and a clean shirt. Uh, and this is as good as I look. I'm sorry. I, 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 I can't try any harder and look any better than this. This is as good as it gets. But uh, I want to be as good as I can get. 
And, uh, and that brings Linda security that I care about myself and that I would care about her as much as I care about myself as well. Um, we need to compliment our wives. Hair is a big thing in our family. Um, I don't have much anymore, but uh, you wouldn't believe the hair bill for a year in our budget. I mean, there's the haircut, and I go to great clips, and it probably looks like it, uh, not so great clip, at $12, and, and hers is 35 And then she goes about every three months, and you would think they're changing the oil in our car and detailing the car as well as doing her hair for the cost of the bill. I'm not going to tell you what it costs. It's ridiculous. Uh, I can't support it in good stewardship, except I'm loving my wife, and boy, she comes home, and I tell her that hair looks good. I praise it and pay for it, and that's, <laughs> that's deposits in the love banks. I don't know if that's the way with your, your lady. Uh, praise her for her meals. Compliment her for those. Compliment her for the way she looks. Uh, compliment her figure. Um, question is, what is a man uh, called um, that submits, sacrifices, sanctifies, and makes splendor of his wife, uh, and brings her security, uh, a rumor. Uh, the Bible calls it a Christ-like husband. And so we have our instructions, wives, husbands, all of us in the body of Christ. Uh, husbands, let's take a look at what Christ is to the church. We've got a long way to go being that to our wives. Wives, take a look at what the church is supposed to be to Christ. Maybe you've got a long way to go in that too. Be that to your husband. That's the analogy. That's the intermingling of this beautiful thing called marriage. Christ is our husband, and this is our body. Let's praise him for it in Jesus' name. Father, thank you so much for the joy that we have to be yours. Thank you, Father, that uh, we would learn to do marriage God's way, not man's way. Thank you, Father, that uh, as husbands and wives, maybe we've been reminded by your spirit of a lot of things that we aren't, that we need to be, some things we used to be that we aren't anymore, that we need to pick up and go back to once again. Father, there's not a person here that can't be a conqueror in Jesus Christ. There's not a marriage here that can't be overcome, no matter how bad it is, to bring honor and glory to Christ. I thank you, Father, for our singles and divorcees and widows and widowers who would listen along with us to the instructions to husbands and wives, however painful it may be. Thank you for them. Thank you, Father, that they would be reminded they have the greatest father and husband and, and mother and wife in Jesus that anybody could ever have. And thank you, Father, we'd act like it as the family of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.